You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? It's going very well over here. I, uh, since we last spoke, I saw the mountain goats yet again. I spoke about this last week in the intro to the show. Uh, I saw them this this Wednesday in Dublin, and I can can confirm this time around they did not mention Magic the Gathering once. So that was a that was a special once off. But I will continue my exclusive reporting into whether this band talks about Magic the Gathering every week from now on. <laughs> Excellent. But you didn't. But I will say the Dublin show was way better than the London show. The Irish crowd was so much better than the London crowd. It was very special. And I think the band agreed because uh, John from the Men Goats played a seven-song encore, which was absolutely insane, and kept playing despite the venue staff asking him to finish up very nicely because he was just uh, enjoying the show very much. Hmm. So I uh, hope the boys, Brits out and all that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. Up the parish. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I sat for 12 hours last night. That's, that wasn't even out the night before. I had a dirty night. I did yeah. the same thing. I was out on Friday, right? I went to to a girl band gig. I've had a lot of gigs this week. Uh, girl band shout outs, friends of the show, uh, and went out, had one pint, got home at half eleven, and went to bed. Then yeah, I slept for about twelve hours as well. Love it. Yeah, I think, I think it's I think it's a sign of severe sleep deprivation if uh, if you if you just sleep casually sleep for twelve hours without 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 a reason to. I, I don't think I slept well generally during the week, but. That is uh, my update. Yeah, I also I had a pretty busy week actually because I went to two gigs. I went to the Mountain Goats and I went to Girl Band. And then on Thursday night I was performing. In, have I mentioned this on the podcast? The uh, the cabaret freak show act. I'm currently performing in occasionally. I don't think I have. No, I think so. No. No. Okay, well my friend is a my friend runs a sort of a semi regular uh, kind of variety cabaret act called Monsieur Pompier's Traveling Freak Show. You can check it out on all social media, which is kind of a variety musical act where every song he introduces a new freaky character and then he has a friend come out and, and play them in costume with a mask and kind of full uh, accoutrements and props and stuff. So I helped out on that, uh, doing that on Thursday, playing a character in uh, the new Bernard Shaw in Glasnevin, which is not the old Bernard Shaw, which was in Portobello. But the new Bernard Shaw, it turns out, it's just exactly the same as the Porterhouse North, which was there before. They basically have done nothing to it. And uh, I was a little sad because I thought it would be a cool artsy place. And I went in and it's just like, oh, it's just the same pub that's here for 20 <laughs> you got to give them time. Yeah, they did some murals and stuff at the back of the smoking area. So maybe they're they're getting into it. And it'll probably be, I guess it'll be like spring, kind of when the weather brightens up again, they'll really start getting into, uh, you know, re- renovations and repairs and stuff like that. It is a cool venue. It's a nice pub, but... I don't know. It doesn't feel like the old Burner Shaw to me. I don't know if you guys have any f- feelings about that place closing or anything, but a lot of people were very sad about it uh, on social media recently. Yeah, yeah, I was very sad. Went to um, the their last their last big night. Yeah, they had like a, a, a music thing on during a whole day, and it was absolutely packed and it was wonderful. But uh, obviously sad. Yeah, moved on to uh, greener pastures of uh, North City Centre. Yeah, it's like it's. I'm not sure if they're gonna be able to retain the same vibe as they were before. It's kind of like the new arena mythic championships compared to the old pro tours yeah and people will still call it uh pt even though let's call it pt again maybe they'll uh go back to being the pt just like um magic did and they'll go back to being in portobello yeah and we can keep calling it the bs yes <laughs> <The BS. sighs> all right well that was a fantastic way to bring it back around to magic well done 
thank you. The segue, I'm, this is my, I'm a master at it. Uh, before we kick off the show, I would be uh, remiss not to mention our Inked Gaming affiliate program. If you missed the podcast last week, well, have I got news for you? Inked Gaming, that's where you're going to get all your playmat accessory needs for playing Magic on the internet or for other kinds of games, Wargaming. You can get those big playmats. You can get those two-person Magic playmats. You can get small playmats. You can get that lovely stitched edging on those playmats that is all the rage now. So nice. You can pick it up really easily. Your cards slide right up to the edge there. And uh, this is a fantastic website. You can get custom printed playmats. Any image you want on there. I assume it has to be some some minimum level of quality. I don't know what that level of quality is, but you know. I believe, I think I have to be on the image. That's the only requirement. If you want this promo code, there has to be a, a small emote-sized thing of my face on the playmat. Yeah, it's like those um, the new mystery booster cards. It's like you, you can get you get them, and they're you know they're the original image file, but just down the bottom left corner, there's a little planeswalker symbol. So just take that concept and apply it to a playmat with Kieran's face down the bottom left corner. Yeah, I wonder if my contributions to these ad reads could somehow lead us into like negative commission territory because it's actually reducing sales to the website. I hope not. Potentially, I'm trying my best. Sure, look, we were talking about it. We can only do what comes naturally to us, you know? Exactly. That's it. Um, we can't fight. Question raised last week. I guess so last week we were querying as to whether or not you, uh, you can get the Skullcrack logo. And the answer is you can. Um, I asked a man who drew it, and he said it was okay. Oh, brilliant. That's great. Wonderful. I hope that's up in court. But yeah, I think it should be fine. <laughs> yeah, really Look, sure it is. It's been recorded now and put on a podcast, so that'll hold up in court, definitely. Uh, yeah. well if you want the uh, Skullcrack logo on a playmat maybe we'll look into getting that made ourselves but uh, if in the meantime if you want to get a, a custom playmat printed out with the Skullcrack logo or anything else really that you want on there you know, copyright permitting uh, just head over to inkedgaming.com look up their custom playmat section and uh, when you go to checkout you can get that sweet sweet discount actually, so you, of course you can uh, year round you can use the Skullcrack discount code which is just skullcrack the name of the podcast uh but right now right this very minute inked gaming are running a black friday sale actually no it's not right this very minute it starts on the 29th and it ends on the second you can get 30 percent off your order on all printed products that are produced in their warehouse so that that doesn't include like uh the board games and game accessories that are that are uh, outside their warehouse like so gaming accessories will be sleeves they don't actually produce sleeves and uh, of course they don't actually produce board games so all your, all your playmats and stuff you'll get uh 30 off for their black friday sale that runs through november 29th uh to december 2nd so thank you inked gaming for allowing us to be wonderful wonderful affiliates you can still click on the uh referral link that will be in our show notes so that'll let them know that you got there through us all right, what are we talking about today? We've got a whole brand new standard. We've got a whole brand new pioneer that's the same as before, but kind of brand new. And we have a brand new magic novel. Can I say one thing? This wasn't in the show notes, but I just realized I'm 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 hot about something. I'm cross about something. This is Kieran's cross about it. My new article series for. Uh not channelfireball.com just for my facebook page wall.com you can see it there 
All right. I'm about to go off here. This is a hot take. All right. I'm, I'm so sick of people on Twitter, all these like, uh, you know, people who are people who are trying their best, you know, make a name in Magic and stuff like that, to be fair, and get, get their name out there and get some cloud. People saying that they have the best deck in formats, you know, in the first week and stuff like that and going, oh, I've broken it and stuff like that. And just using this ridiculous hyperbole. And I've seen it recently for Historic, which just came out on Arena. I've seen like multiple people be like, Clearly, my deck is the best deck in the format. I'm like, how do you know? You've been playing for like one day. Nobody's playing this format yet. No good players are playing it. You're just crushing like, you know, bronze players on, on Arena. Just stop it. Just have fun with the format for a bit. Stop trying to get the clout. Just just chill out, you know? Yeah, there, there is no... Um, there's, there's not really any incentive to be breaking Historic, right? Even... No, exactly. So people are just doing this just for retweets and likes and stuff like that. And there's no possible way they can actually believe they've broken the format. They're just uh, they're they're just trying to trying to get big numbers on their tweets, which wrecks my head. Yeah, I think a, a large percentage of uh, Magic Twitter don't believe in their own tweets. Uh, people will start hyperbolic, hyperbolic, hyperbole. They're of they say they are say things full of hyperbole uh, just to get, like I said, retweets, and because no one listens. Because you know, no one's going to retweet a mild opinion. But yeah. I said, oh, Stark might be fun to play, and maybe I might brew a deck for it. No, who's going to treat, who's going to retweet that? I mean, maybe my mother would, but I mean, apart from that, no one will. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, I, I, I much prefer when people are, uh, are more reasonable with their takes. And to be fair, when you're a more established voice in the community, it's easier to do that and, and not have to go extreme with every take when you are just an up and coming player and you're trying to get your name out there and, and, you know, land your first job writing an article or whatever you do probably want to be more extreme. But like, I like the fact, like I was, I was reading like canisters feed there recently and he was like, Oh yeah, played this new blue white control deck at standard, uh, after the bans, I was winning a lot with it. Don't know if it's good though. Maybe I just got lucky. Maybe my opponents were just bad, you know, and he wasn't trying to be like best deck ever subscribe for my sideboard guide or whatever you know like everyone else does at the moment so i just prefer if people would tone it down a little bit well in fairness canister is a very understated man in general like usually his stream titles are along the lines of uh man plays magic that's true and he's completely right are you denying that that was that's what's happening on his stream wolf no no i'm 100 percent in favor of uh such descriptive uh, stream titles yeah, making game actions and such which is my favorite phrase he uses it's a good one yeah i wonder, I wonder if this is something that's just uh presumably this is prevalent in all gaming um social media or probably even probably social media as a whole maybe the world as a whole uh because of how people engage with social media it's encouraging people to me to people encouraging people to be uh not very reasonable with their takes uh people say ridiculous things you see it all the time but you know hate peddlers and clickbaiters uh on on social news sites I mean, yeah and just especially with new formats i know it doesn't really matter for historic because it's all online or whatever but for pioneer and stuff like that when people are going to buy cards and buy into stuff and stuff don't get them super excited about stuff that isn't that good and is gonna you know they're gonna spend a bunch of money on the cards thinking it's the format's broken and stuff just just be honest uh speaking of that how about grix's fire preventions with with uh dark edition the list i threw together i i haven't even finished the list but it's the best deck in magic Play it. Subscribe. I have three. I have, I have three cyborg cards written so far, and um, two of them are green. But I, I will work on this, and I will read about it, and I will be hyperbolic, hyperbolic about it. And uh, nice. I'll get things. Yeah, I haven't actually uh, touched to start yet at all, so I haven't got any uh, 
cloud-baiting opinions on what the best deck is that I've brewed, but I'll, I'll try to get there for next week. Well, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not, Dark Petition is not in Historic, so... Al, you're talking about... Sorry, I, I said it's... I said this as Pioneer deck, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay, right. I was like, man, that's a weird card that they added. I guess I forgot that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh... It was really funny. I was watching Caleb's stream yesterday, and he was playing Historic. And, you know, it, it was just so funny. Every five minutes, the chat was like, why don't you have a walking ballista in this deck? <laughs> and, like, all this stuff. Like, you should play Karizev and stuff like that. And he's like, it's not in the format. That's It's not in Arena. Like, I literally can't even look at that card on the Arena client. <laughs> oh... That's good. I love it. Wait, do you think people were intentionally trolling or? No, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> Just didn't know what's in the format. And in fairness, Wizards have released two formats that are like, have a big overlap in the space of a short amount of time. So yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's just, it's just quite funny. Yeah. Well, I did dip my toe into Hysteric. Uh, I just played the event in order to get uh, the, the card styles. And in that event, Nexus of Fate was banned, but I don't think Nexus of Fate is banned in actual historic. Like if you go into the ranked queue, I'm pretty sure Nexus decks are not banned. But uh That's interesting. Yeah, bit strange. But anyway, I would hazard a guess that Kethis is probably the best deck, or certainly up there. Um I just played a lot of crappy tribal decks. I tried to make a zombies deck, wasn't very good. Cryptbreaker Cryptbreaker was good, but the other cards were not good. Uh, and then I made a Vampire's deck that I got all the rest of the wins with, and it was pretty much just exactly Vampires before it rotated. So Yeah, did they even add any Vampire cards? Uh, no. So Well, yeah. the fun police over here. Yep. Uh, it was At least you weren't playing in a Roco deck, to be fair. Yeah, uh, I'm not, I wasn't about to do that. I've had enough of that for, by now. But, uh... Let me just say, as as a as a prelude to my feelings about other formats later, uh, I did not enjoy Historic. The games were not entertaining. I did not think it was fun. No, I'm I'm gonna wait until they add probably a substantial number more cards before I probably even give it a go. It might be a really easy way to grind ranked if you want to get Mythic. Once you know, do they have the mid the ranked queue in already, or is it is it coming in the next water? I can't remember. Yeah, the ranked ranked is in there. Yeah, so I'd imagine if you can find a a, a good deck, um, probably you'll be you'll be able to crush that queue pretty easily. But like, if you, you know what I mean? It's like, how much time do you have in a day? Do you really want to like play a format that isn't fun just to get to mythic or whatever? I don't I don't think I'm bothered. Yeah, and I really, I mean, I I barely saw any of the the cards that they added being used. I played against one person who was playing Chromatic Black, and they had Hypnotic Specter and. What's the other one? Tendrils, Tendrils of Agony. Is Tendrils that of corruption. The the one. Agony is the storm one. Agony it's corruption. Okay, Tendrils of corruption. Yeah, the one that does X damage where X is the number of swamps you have and you gain X life. Um, and that deck just didn't really seem very good. And Hypnotic Specter, upon reflection, seems just like a worse card than Thief of Sanity to me. Of course, it's mono black, so it's different, but um yeah it's definitely worse. definitely it's so much worse than like rankle and stuff as well it's just hypnotic specter is just a card that has been left behind in in magic history and is they basically just added it i think as a nostalgia thing for for players who remember it and want to play with it yeah yeah that was that's was, that was a very strange card to add because i feel like hypnotic specter is like a you know it's obviously the first specter card but it was specter card but we've seen so many kind of kind of stronger builds of that kind of specter archetype 
uh, all true, you know, the last so many years, magic. Um, there's multiple ones, you know, yeah, like like you mentioned, Team Sanity being one, um, Frankel being similar to it, that there's basically a stronger and more, frankly, more interesting versions of that card in standard right now, uh, and also there for in a star right now. It seems strange for them to uh, to print it. It's like, I don't know, it feels like this, it's like it's like it's like going to print in Grizzly Bear, you know, it's like you know, we we have this card with more text. Yeah, like I literally said uh, before this podcast started, I was looking at like buying the historic cards on Arena. I was like, oh, I'm just paying 3,400 gems for Mindstone is kind of how it feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Cryptbreaker Crip could maybe do something at some point. Um, but yeah, I think Kethis just seemed the best cause, because, you know, everyone lamented the fact that Kethis was rotating out when just when Emery was rotating in. And yeah, can confirm that Emery is extremely good in the Kethis deck uh, once upon a time as well. Also pretty good. Sounds like something we should be doing in Pioneer. E- maybe. Maybe. Best deck ever. Broken format. Subscribe. Unlike. Yep. Kethis combo. Uh, Abzan Blue. Uh, the, the deck. Subscribe to my Patreon, please. Yeah, but basically like, so yeah, all the, all the cards they added are pretty casual. Um, unlike... Basically, that's going to mean it's probably just a format people are going to play against their friends and the ranked queue is probably going to be miserable because it'll just be people playing like standard plus decks, essentially. Yeah, I mean, you can qualify for like the WMCQ and whatever on Arena through it. So I assume people will take it somewhat seriously at some point. But yeah, as I say, it just wasn't particularly that fun to play. So, I mean, I'm not definitely not going to focus on it until it's there's more incentive for it to be... Um, attacked although as you said it could that that incentive could be there in the form of hey people are not playing tune decks on the in this format or whatever yeah exactly but yeah it's just up to you how much you can can deal with just like crushing them with kethis or nexus or whatever you want to do <laughs> in that queue yeah that sounds fun to me <laughs> oh yeah all right well standard should we talk about standard and how it's developed after last week's bannings Yep, sure thing. I actually haven't really kept that much on top of it. I've I, like I kind of have, but it sounds like there's a lot of new decks and stuff that I'm I'm not really up on. So I'll let you guys lead the way on this one. Okay. Well, Alcon has the tournament experience, but I have been playing online a fair bit. Um, I mean, I think I think a lot of people, even just before the bans were happening, like the day or two before. Basically, we're just like, oh, these bands are clearly happening. I'm not going to play an Oko deck. So the bands were kind of soft in play before they, they were even announced. But uh, So I played a few things. I've played various flavors of cat decks, and those seem to have been the big winners. Um, so Cauldron Familiar, Witches Oven, that combo is just very hard to break up. And it's actually pretty good. Uh, it turns out generating food and pinging your opponent every single turn and... Uh, Potentially drawing cards from Midnight Reaper, things like that. Those are those are good things, and uh, also pinging from Mayhem Devil, and then uh, the the kind of most popular color combination for these decks is Junt, which means that Corval, the Faker's King, which is one of the Brawl Commanders, has become a very desirable standard card. Um, and yeah, he's just really good on on rate. You know, he comes in, sacks one permanent, and he's a five five flyer that's drawing you a card. And then every time you sack, he's going to get bigger. He can pretty much end the game the next turn, maybe, or within two turns, get you a massive amount of card advantage. Well, I guess it's not really card advantage. Or it can be, I guess, if you're sacking food. Um, but yeah, so the Jun cat decks, there's straight-up Golgari cat decks, 
I played a bit of Abzan as well. Uh, what else has come about? Blue Red Flash rather than Simic Flash. Playing like Bone Crusher Giant, stuff like that. Ionize. Uh, Team of Reclamation decks still there. Jeskai. Fires decks still around. And I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, there is this blue white deck that had already started to surface to, to combat the Oko decks. And I think it's pretty decent. Um, it can be tough to play, though, especially against... Uh, oh, yeah, the other the other kind of major player of the format is, is the green-black adventures decks. Um, it can be tough against those because they can just load up on so mo- so many cards from an Edgewall Innkeeper and then, you know, you're forced to Wrath and then they just play, like, a Questing Beast or a Rankle and you're pretty pretty far behind at that point um so yeah those those seem to be the kind of the pillars of the format cat decks of various flavors uh adventures azorius control control-ish uh jeskai fires and what was the other one that i said teamer reclamation decks and maybe blue red flash it's very fringe uh but yeah those seem to be seem to be the big players gruel has gone down a lot obviously because the mana is just really bad especially without once upon a time and it doesn't have the Oko decks to kind of go over the top of anymore. Uh, How sickening is that, that you can't even just play a two-color Gruel deck because the mana isn't good enough? Yeah, well, I mean, that just really highlights the problem with Once Upon a Time, right? You just couldn't play any other any other um, color than green for your two- or three-color combinations. It was ridiculous. Mm, yeah. But I have to say, in my personal subjective experience, I do not like this format at all. Uh, I just don't like what any of the decks are doing. I think Cauldron Familiar Witch's Oven is just an obnoxious combo that's really super boring to play against. It also takes a lot of game actions. Uh, taking game actions, always great. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, like there are ways to beat it. Certainly, you can play um, Lay Nine of the Void. I think a lot of people are, are putting that in the sideboard, sideboard now. Um, what else can you do? I was main decking some glass caskets in my, uh, in my Azorius deck. So I was playing the Azorius deck just feels kind of medium, can feel good sometimes, but if you ever get into that situation, like I said, where there's an Edgewall Innkeeper on board <laughs> of, of any description doing anything, then you're very sad. Uh, yeah, and, and playing against playing against green-black decks, and they just always have Edgewall Innkeeper, even without Once Upon a Time. It's just very sad. I hate that card so, so, so much. It's just, I think it's a terrible design. And are people, like, mulliganing hard for it, do you think? Like, are you seeing a lot of, like, moles to five and stuff like that against those decks? Or do you think you've just been a little bit unlucky in them always having it? No, I've seen a lot of moles to five. Yeah, so London mulligan is probably the culprit there as well. Yeah, I I was reflecting on it today and I was like, is it just definitely, is it, like, exactly the cards in this format that are turning me off? And it is to an extent, but I think it's also, like you said, London mulligan and, you know, basically the same arguments that, V. Mashowitz was making on his blog that we we referenced a couple of weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, I think some of these cards, some of these archetypes you mentioned there have you know, one card that that's, holds it all together. Uh, if it's whether it's fires or if it's innkeeper or if it's the cat, either cat or oven. Um, yeah. And I felt like I was like I I felt like I didn't perform very well over this weekend, but I think a lot of it was I just I realized towards the end of the day I realized I wasn't looking enough that I was keeping uh you know what I call marginal sixes when. I really should have gone a little bit more aggressively. I mean, there's some games where I'm moving to five and had the combo and then was able to just, to just play a normal game. Um, so that was kind of like something, a mistake I was making trade weekend was not looking enough. Uh, probably a lot of people aren't looking enough. Uh, if, if, if you're not looking, like, especially with, with the way the decks are right now, uh, people definitely should be looking a lot more. Yeah, and like the the Edgewall Innkeeper decks, 
are just like a perfect example of that because if you mulligan for your edgewall innkeeper the edgewall innkeeper by itself will undo your mulligan yeah exactly yeah yeah and trail of crumbs you know in, in, in these jun decks uh, does the very same thing just draw a lot of cards back up to seven we're yeah. doing it yeah exactly yeah yeah and those spells are cheap as well as the thing so you know what i mean the game doesn't have to go on too long before you fixed your mulligan either so that's, that's kind of nice yeah yeah but yeah, it's again. It's just contributing to games feeling very samey, uh, like they were in the format before this. And yeah, um, I don't like this format. It's boring. My God, I'm usually the cynic on the podcast. What's happened? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I've been enjoying at least uh, these massive grindy John mirrors or these cat cat these cat oven mirrors. Uh, I, I I think they're wonderful, um, especially just, just generating a lot of value. Have big massive boards. What I live for. There, there is there is creativity to be to be brought to bear in the format. You know, I mean, anytime this kind of thing happens, you have to start thinking about like the way to go over the other decks and the way to win mirrors or semi mirrors and stuff like that, which is interesting stuff to think about. I think it's just this particular format. Uh, I'm just kind of over because it's been so bad for for the last month or whatever since Eldraine came out. <laughs> I can't believe that it's like rotation was a month ago or whatever and i'm so sick of all these cards already i can't believe they these eldrain cards are going to be in standard for another two years yeah that's pretty much <laughs> <laughs> yeah hopefully they, all get, hopefully they all get pushed out by the huge power level of theros uh back in theros back in theros <laughs> that's what it's called back in theros <laughs> yeah yeah uh no that would be bad because then the power level of theros would be absolutely insane right but maybe car- yeah, that's true. Then we then then they get pushed out by the next set. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose like I, I've been enjoying the game standard, but I think just the way things are, I guess at least for my schedule, at least it's uh um there's no more competitive events between now and uh, after or after the new set comes out. Um so I'm happy just to just delve straight into Pioneer between now and then and not going to standard. Yeah, that's fair. I mean I've I've just so fallen off standard I didn't get to did I get to Mythic last month? I don't think I did. Uh, maybe I did, but just I stayed. No, I don't I don't even think I did. And then this month, I'm still, like, it's the 25th, and I'm still not at Mythic. I'm in Diamond 4 or Diamond 3 or something. I don't even care. I'm just not playing enough to push, make a push to Mythic, and I really should. I, th- I think this is the last month to be qualified for the next round of uh, Mythic Championship qualifiers on Arena, so I do kind of want to qualify for that, so it would be a good idea to push into that top 1,200 Mythic yeah, that's why that is recent it, but then if you're not having fun, do you still do it? The answer is yes. Magic is work. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe maybe the answer is maybe not. And uh yeah, I, I my time could be better spent in Pioneer, which is a little bit more exciting because you know there are all these Pioneer PTQs this week. Very exciting. Starting today. The one is, is currently on and yesterday there was a, a mox prelim, so Maybe let's transition into talking about Pioneer because that's a little bit more exciting than Standard. Yep, absolutely. It's where it's where I've been focused as well. Um, the last while, I've been, I've just been really enjoying the format. I think, um, despite you know, yeah, we need some bannings and we probably need a couple more bannings. That you know, there's there is some stuff that's far more powerful than what probably the what people want the format to be. Um, it's it's still just been great, honestly. Like I'm still seeing varied stuff in the queues. I feel like I'm playing like interactive games that aren't decided in the first couple turns and like sideboards really matter and stuff like that. So I'm just I'm just really enjoying it at the moment. I love it. One one thing that I've really liked so far from Pioneer is like big turnarounds that happen in games. I see that happening a lot where like you feel like you have locked the game up or you feel like your opponent has locked the game up 
and then one card that you top deck just completely changes the texture of the game and it's like oh well now i have many more turns or now i have to do this one thing in this one turn or they're gonna win or they're gonna run away with the game uh to be honest usually it's kalidas that that does that but <laughs> there's there's a few cards like yep. that, i think it's a good card but again that's like a sorcery speed for a drop so that's kind of fine like that uh, i like having i like cards like that being able to turn around the game or like you know hour of promise stuff like that is able to do it with field of the dead maybe field of the dead is a little too strong as an example but yeah you know what i mean yeah I, i've had i had the very same experience with Kalidus actually you know in the game was playing against uh you know Sultai control against uh the Sultai graveyard prize malcolm deck and it basically did a big massive board. I had some removal spells, but a lot of them were prize amalgams that were, 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 that were going to come back. And I was dead next turn, I did Yana on board, which was really much. Then I drew Cletus. I was like, oh, this, now I can start making a big board myself. But Alder Dudes, Cletus is uh, still wonderful. Yeah, it's a great card in the format. It's kind of, it's the power level that I always wanted it to be in standard. Like, it feels like it's better than it was in standard, to be honest. Um, and it's, it's a really fun card to play with, so. Well, yeah, definitely. It was really good in standard, so. I think it is. It, well, it was really good in standard, but it also got reflector mage a lot in standard. Yeah, spell colored. It, it like it was heavily played in standard, but then I think it fell off after a while or something like that. I don't, I'm not sure if I 100% remember that accurately, or maybe maybe it was the other way around, where when it came out, it was not used, and then it, it came back later on in the format. Um, but yes, I definitely think Pioneer is a great home for a card like Kalidus. Um that hasn't really seen that much love in modern. You know, it, it's occasionally in Jun sideboards or whatever, but uh, I think it's it's very, very sweet in this format. And there's a lot of, you know, decks running around that do little graveyard things like like that, uh, the, the kind of dredge deck, uh, Phoenix and other, other decks like that. So, yeah, I think it's a great card for the format. Yep, definitely agree. Yeah, no, no bans last week. They did say they wanted to kind of let the format lie. Um, in light of the fact that we have so many PTQs this week, they they also said that they weren't really planning on making any changes. Do, do you think that that's going to hold true? I kind of mentioned this off, Mike. I, I wouldn't be surprised to still see Once Upon a Time go, to be honest, the, like tomorrow, because I feel like that doesn't actually cripple any decks. It Like all the decks without Once Upon a Time will still be able to play the same shell. They just have to play more lands. Um, and the, And the card is just, absurdly unfair like field of the dead is everywhere at the moment but all the field of the dead decks are playing once upon a time as well so i feel like it would it would bring back in line the sort of simic stompy deck the field of the dead decks and the mono green ramp decks to uh to get rid of once upon a time so that's the only card i could see them banning tomorrow to be honest mono black has been everywhere but the only card you could even consider banning from that deck would be Smuggler's Copter, and I would not like to would not like to see them ban Smuggler's Copter. Even though, yeah, I, I see what's one time out here saying to be something they could ban, uh, probably because of all these PTQs is like they don't ban anything. But maybe they will have another big barrage of bans after these PTQs, uh, after they have you know, all the data from that. And uh, we might see a lot of Mono Black, we might see a lot of uh, Field of Dead decks <laughs> dominate these PTQs, and then perhaps then action will be taken. Uh, yeah, almost certainly they'll they'll do something after all the. I, I assume that's one of the reasons behind the the decision to do so many PTQs in such a short amount of time. They want to gather like a lot of information as much as they can in order to make some more bans. And uh, on, honestly, I don't think that they will um, ban once upon a time tomorrow just because they said that they were like we don't really anticipate making any more changes. Obviously, they left it open to potentially do it, but um, I don't think that they will. But it was so weird to me that they banned Once Upon a Time in Standard last week 
and then was it only last week? Yeah, I guess. Uh, and uh, and then they didn't ban it in Pioneer because it was like they banned Veil of Summer the week before, and then you're like, okay, well if they ban Veil of Summer and Pioneer, it's probably too good for standard. Uh, and then they ban Once Upon a Time in standard, where it's kind of quote unquote less abusable than in a larger format like Pioneer, and then they don't ban it in Pioneer. It was just like a weird conflux of events in my opinion and yeah i was surprised that they didn't ban it so i think it's probably on the chopping block but maybe not tomorrow maybe the week after uh and yeah that's fair i completely agree with your point about smuggler's copter i i would love to see smuggler's copter be like one of the the hallmark cards of this format because the problem with smuggler's copter when it was in standard was that there was just no good removal for it um or very very little uh, there was Harness Lightning, right? And then, and that was pretty much it. That was the only card that was uh, effective at combating it on turn two. But now in Pioneer, there's plenty of cards. There's Fatal Push, there's Abrupt Decay, heavily played uh, cards. There's Abrade. So I think it's good. It, and it, it it's an interesting card, I think, to play against as well um, because there's that kind of inherent... Uh, tension of vehicles where you're like oh do i kill the vehicle do i kill the crew if i kill the crew then they can't crew the vehicle again but if they top deck something it's bad for me etc etc so i think are are they just gonna draw all four copters every time i kill the copter like they always do (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and the way that it keeps like the the mono black deck is 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 a very strong aggro deck and it's just so sweet because it has like those graveyard synergies so you avoid flooding by using the copter. You also put cards in your graveyard by using the copter that, that you know, are good there that you can bring back from the graveyard. It just seems like a, a, a card that ties that deck together. Um, the only reason that they might ban it is because it's like just ubiquitous in aggro decks and it's like a four, four of must-have in all aggro decks, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, it would just be great if if they had done the whole colored artifacts thing back when they designed those cards because that would be much more interesting if smuggler's copter was for example a black card yeah, yeah. definitely agree with that yeah yeah uh so w- what have you been playing kieran uh i played a couple things throughout the week i was playing hardened scales a bit more i played some blue eye control a bit more uh i tried Soltai again like a, a fair Soltai mid-range deck wasn't too big on that to be honest and then most recently today played a couple of leagues with the simic stompy deck that's been doing quite well uh have thought that has been very good i do agree that it is very play draw dependent like if you win the the die roll or not is basically a huge part of your win percentage so uh, bob huang whose list i was playing basically said on twitter if you're going to win and die uh, coin flips or die rolls this is the deck for you uh, but I do think the deck is very powerful. It like it has like extremely good, consistent starts with Once Upon a Time and a bunch of Mana Dorks and three drops that, you know, if your opponent has anything, if they don't have an answer in the first couple turns and, and then you find a Stubborn Denial to back up your threat, it can be very difficult for your opponent to, to really do much about it. Um, and I think the big bodies are pretty nice to have against Mono Black. I've only played against it once so far, but I, but I kind of, I thought that was good, like having... Just having having a lot of toughness on board to uh, to to be able to stabilize. Um, so I thought that's been pretty good. Yeah, Lo- Lovestruck Beast is kind of a, a crazy card in the format, right? When you, especially when you have eight one one mana dorks. Um, 
you don't even need to cast the heart's desire all the time right yeah exactly yeah now a lot of the time you're you're just cast it you just have your one one yeah and you're just casting that on turn two or a steel leaf champion or a yorvo both of those are probably a little better on turn two honestly because uh you know the steel leaf champion is a uh, can be a more consistent attacker and a harder block and the Oros can grow so quickly but that's obviously match dependent and then sometimes they kill your mad orc on turn one and then you're able to just go turn two hard of and turn three oko you know which is which is a really really good start as well so it just it, it the, the the starts are just really consistently good is basically why why you would play this deck yeah busted three drops every time yeah i did play and stubborn denial insanely good card just like in modern oh yeah uh, I personally just keep coming back to like Insol decks, various builds of Insol decks, and then I just play them and I just do badly and it makes me sad. <laughs> I'm not sure why. I'm obviously just not good at that type of whatever that 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 gameplay is. There, it's kind of like a kind of a tempo-y protect the queen style gameplay. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I I I feel like my tendency to just jam is uh is doing me a disservice when i play those type of decks gotcha i haven't really played with those decks at all they seem okay to me but i haven't really figured out a reason why why i would be playing them over another archetype type of thing well i just kind of feel like flying is really quite good in the format um or like any, any obviously any kind of evasion and uh you have yep. like smuggler's copter and yeah you have like hope of Girapur, make it flying um so yeah i you also have like insane reach. You have the best reach in the format with Shrapnel Blast, right? So uh, you really only need to get three hits in before you you can uh, win fairly reliably. And especially if if you've got a Smuggler's Copter online, you can be looting through your deck. Uh, but I, I think the deck is is quite difficult to play. It'll take me a long time to to get used to it. Uh, I I am a bit uh, bummed out about the kind of lack of Is It Phoenix in the format. Like you do see it every now and then uh, in the like a the top eight of like these mocks things or whatever. Uh, I think there was one in the top eight there. And uh, you kind of see it every now and again in the deck list dumps and what have you, but I never see it online anymore. And I love that deck. It is good. I think like one thing that people figured out is that like thing in the ice is not the card it is in other formats. It just doesn't flip that quickly. And now that people are playing a lot of vehicles, uh, sometimes it doesn't even help you out that much when you flip it. So I think that's a big reason people have gone away from that deck. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I still think it's a fine choice, to be honest. But again, it's just one of those things where I don't think it's the best thing you can be doing in the format. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's uh, probably one of the only decks that can rival the green decks in terms of consistency, just because you have so many draw effects. Yeah, very true. And it's probably, it's the best Treasure Cruise deck still, right? So yeah. that's something. A man, yeah. I never see Treasure Cruise or Dig Through Time anymore. Uh, you see Dig Through Time. <laughs> I still see that one everywhere. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, your, in the, your experience is wrong. The okay, yes. <laughs> my my lived experience. Um, those. I mean, I, I like to see the fact that those cards are not just absolutely dominating because it means that they won't be banned. Hopefully, uh, those are yep. other cards that I would love to be kind of signature spells of the format. Yeah, I agree with that, and that seems to be the way it's going. To be honest, like at least until they maybe do another round or two of bands, and then maybe they'll start popping up more because their relative power level gets better compared to the rest of the format. But it doesn't look like it's a problem at the moment, so that's that's one I have to I have to own up to. And I I was totally wrong about that one. They just aren't seeing all that much play. 
like dig through time seeing much much more play than treasure cruise but even then you know it's it kind of feels like you can beat the first dig through time a lot of the time in this format yeah which is not true in other formats yeah all right uh do you want to talk about some of the deck archetypes from the mocks or do you want to just move on from pioneer um i'm kind of happy to move on to be honest i think we've kind of covered uh a lot of the archetypes and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm gonna start playing <laughs> Pioneer literally today. Uh, I'll, I'll just try and play. I've been playing these old decks, as Gary mentioned. So uh, after I have more experience with these, I'll, I'll have more input. Um, okay. So far, all I can say is that uh, I've been doing okay with nice, nice fair magic. That's all I want <laughs> to be able to do in this this powerful format. Well, I don't know if you'll be getting that 100 of the time, but sure, we'll do our best. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, and then. To kind of wrap up the news of the week, we have a bit of controversy, which is on Chandra and the Forsaken novel, which was a very short article posted by Wizards on November 22nd, which was what, Monday? Is that right? No, last Friday. Okay. Uh, last Friday. So basically, there was a, a quite a lot of uproar after the Forsaken novel came out, so War of the Spark Forsaken, the, the direct sequel to War of the Spark Ravnica, which was uh, chronicling Bolas's downfall. So the whole storyline has been a, a, a big mess, a big old steaming hot pile of mess for uh, for the last while due to story timings and uh, quality of stories and just characterizations and things like that. And uh, yeah, this, this Forsaken novel really threw some uh, extra fuel on the bonfire and people were very angry because uh, the the ship that we have all come to know and love over the last what like four four years I want to say maybe even more than that uh, the Chandra Nissa ship uh, was dashed on the rocks of this novel um, there is an, an infamous paragraph from the novel which I'm sure most people have, have read by now uh, basically describes how Chandra was only ever into decidedly manly male men and uh, that her her and Nissa's love had been platonic all along. Which, as someone who read the War of the Spark novel, I was shocked by that paragraph because I was like, literally at the end of that book, which I read not very long ago, a few weeks ago, they told each other that they loved each other. And it didn't sound platonic to me. So I was shocked. This was out of left field for me. And it was just a stupid thing. And it, you know, a lot of people complained, and rightly so, because you know, it's 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 by erasure. It's uh, wizards as a company that prides themselves on inclusion and representation, um, doing one of their much loved characters and and much loved storylines dirty. And uh, I don't begrudge anybody for for feeling strongly over this um, and feeling betrayed by this. Yeah, it's so absurd as well because it's the same guy who wrote this Greg Weissman who wrote Posty Samples. He he'd he'd written about Chandra and 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 uh and Nissa saying that they loved each other. Like it was he put those words on the page and now he's saying, Oh, that was that, that was just platonic. They didn't know what they're talking about. Uh they're just all caught up in the in the grief of Gideon dying. Uh it was just words. It was, it was just a very, very strange turn. I kind of seen like judging by so yeah, it was Wizards had yeah, like you said, released Wizards had released this statement on Friday. But even just on Twitter, like there was, oh god, I, I had I had person's name up previously. Uh, there was a person who was involved with the story. I've got a few few people, a few Watsi staffs, a few of Watsi staff uh, have been involved in the creative in the, in the creative side of, of the the storytelling. 
have kind of, in a way, kind of expressed disdain towards this novel, but like not outright because obviously if you're watching boys, you can't really. Uh, there's one person in particular, um, oh, I can't remember their name, uh, changed their, like, this had a kind of a broad statement saying, um, uh, oh, you know, it's be very hard to be, you know, what can we do? And all I can do to get to get, uh, to get around this is by you know, changing my profile picture to Chandra. Uh, so I didn't really kind of outright say what they, what they were upset about, but kind of judging from that, I'll begin to get the person's name up now, hopefully. Uh, judging by that, um, it just seems like, it seems like a move that uh, people within WhatsApp be not unhappy about, or maybe, maybe even surprised about. Uh, it just seems, it just seems like a very strange thing to happen. Like, it seems like they, they gave the story over to this one person who decided to take it in this direction, almost like against the will of everybody else. But we, we've been speculating a lot as to what actually happened behind the scenes to cause this, but um, still, still quite unclear. Yeah, as well, it's like they did apologize for this, but their apology was very short and didn't really go into any details. Like, it was very marketing speak, kept very vague, and a lot of people were, were justifiably upset by the apology as well. Um, so we we aren't really any clearer on like where this decision came from or you know what i mean or like really what the steps are they're they're doing to make sure it doesn't happen again or to fix it so it's just it, yeah i could like totally in terms of like just leaving a bad taste in people's mouths especially people like you know uh who are queer who, who are lgbt who you know take a lot from from seeing their the representation of this type in the in the universe that they love and stuff like that it's just uh it's it's just horrible like even if i don't care very much you know about these magic novels myself or whatever i don't read them it's like people other people care and and you can't just like there are words for this as, as wolf said like by erasure and uh um you know stuff like that that like this is this is like a known thing and it's it's a horrible thing to do to to people when they're when they're happy to see that kind of representation with their yeah i mean cynically we know that wizards of the coast is a company and companies want to make money so things that they can do to make money they will do and you know maybe we would see representation as one of those things that they try to do to make money but also on the non-cynical side companies are made up of people and you would like to think that the people have positive um, ideas and want to push for inclusion. And I think we can kind of see that in terms of like the types of people that, that uh, Wizards hires. Like, I, certainly there are people there who are, you know, don't conform to, to, to gender stereotypes or whatever and uh, who are um, like trans and queer and, and everything, as, as you said. So we can tell by their hires that and, and the way that they depict the cards and things like that, and characters, and, they, you know, they've been pushing for it. Like, they don't have as much as they should, as much as they, they, they should in an ideal world, but we all want to think of Wizards as the good guys and the company to hold up who are like, hey, these people are doing this right, they're, they're, they're doing something good, they're, they're showing, they're representing people who are not normally represented, and allowing them to uh, see themselves in the cards and obviously that's great because it gets them customers they're they're going to enjoy that but you know that's still positive for representation and it just makes it sting all the more when they make a misstep in this kind of a way yeah definitely and it's like you know what i mean you do like you did when you do something like this you you don't get to to stand on your on your past credit for your your good previous actions anymore you know it is very much a case of what have you done for me lately uh when you make a misstep like this you know what i mean you can't you can't look go back and talk about 
the, all the previous good stuff you've done. You have to just apologize for messing up this time and to try to do better in future. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was Doug Byers' uh, tweet was, was what, what I alluded to earlier. was uh, kind of like him acknowledging that, uh, oh, yeah, uh, no, basically kind of saying that the rest of the world-building team aren't happy with the way this, the direction this uh, novel has gone. Um, I think kind of, it's like between that and also the statement itself from Friday, uh, kind of are putting the blame on, or seem to be at least putting the blame on Greg Weissman, who, who wrote this novel, um, that really are throwing him under a bus. And it's kind of wonder, like, yeah, like, like, like you, you alluded to Wolf, like, or like, is this, is this something that kind of came down from uh, higher up in the company, or is this the action of one person writing this book? Uh, maybe we won't know, but, but like, was, but then I, I suppose, like, on hand, if, if for whatever reason Greg Weissman was told, all right, you need to get rid of this relationship between Chandra and this for X, Y, Z reason. Uh, let's say, I don't know, if they want to, um, they don't want this relationship to be in the uh, Magic Animated series. They don't want to upset another Chinese market, whatever it is. Uh, if Doug was given that job to do, or sorry, if uh, Greg was given that job to do, I, I feel like he still could have gone back on their relationship without do, gone back on their relationship without doing it so coldly or doing it so um, so dismissively. Because even just the manner of how this whole relationship for the last five years has been just thrown out the window, uh, really just in one paragraph <laughs> that the other paragraph has been going viral online uh just really just offhandedly saying oh by the way Nissa, or by the way Chandra never really was into men blah 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 and it was I, I think it was just done so tastelessly uh even if the author was under duress to do this uh he could have done it in a far more meaningful or emotive uh, way well maybe honestly maybe he didn't agree with it either and maybe that's why he just decided all right i'm just gonna phone it in get the contract on you know what i mean maybe i don't maybe he was like i don't want to work with this company anymore if this is what they're they're going to do to these characters so yeah that's true yeah. I, yeah so i think without knowing more it's hard to know you know you know not that not not that blame is is what we should be going for here, but it's hard to know like who this decision came from or or what the factors were so all we know is that it's a mess and that somebody messed up somewhere in wizards yeah yeah definitely yeah i think their move to their move back to novels has just been kind of a failure I know that people were people enjoyed those Django Wexler stories, and I know that people enjoyed Brandon Sanderson's Children of the Nameless, and also, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the woman who wrote the Wildred Quest, Kate Elliott, that was her name. Um, I know that people have like kind of enjoyed those, but I don't see why those can't just be the weekly stories. Obviously, I see that they can make money if their books. Uh, but I think that when the magic story was was being posted weekly on the website, it was just going from strength to strength pretty much in all that time, and it was being cared for by people who work day in and day out with the storyline. Um, bringing in guest writers, I think, can be effective, and I think it was effective in some cases with these kind of side stories, but I think allowing the big finale of like five years of build-up in the magic storyline to be written by a writer who just came in and was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wrap this up nicely. Uh, just didn't really work out. And I think that they need to think carefully before they do something like that again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's all well and good if you want to like pay Brandon Sanderson to come in and do a good job, which he's most likely going to do. But not not every writer is going to be able to do that. Like it's, there's, it's such a huge world and universe of lore here. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you really do need good caretakers for it who are, who are very involved and know what they're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's magic story. If you want to know more about that, you can tune into mine and Al's other podcast, which is called Uncharted Pages. 
where we review the War of the Spark novel, uh, the first one, Ravnica. And we will have an upcoming episode where we review the second one, or start to review the second one, because, you know, I'm not going to get through the whole book in one, one show. But, uh, yeah, very excited to, to start that up again and give a few more episodes on War of the Spark and <laughs> give our thoughts on said paragraph. And uh, delving into the depraved mind of Greg Weissman. Uh, <laughs> open bracket, decidedly bad author, Greg Weissman. Oh, poor Greg. He's just not very good at his job, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's if you want to hear more like that, uh, tune in to Uncharted Pages when it goes up later this week. Um, all right, I think that's gonna gonna do for the show, right? We don't, there's no no other big news. No, that's about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I went. I, I well, I, I had a tournament work my PTQ, but we talked about it a little bit with Andrew. I, mean, I didn't do very well. You can just leave with that. Uh, <laughs> if you want, uh, congrats to Dave Murphy for taking it down. Uh, fought very well all through the tournament with uh, Blue Eye Control. It's, I think I think a list similar to the list you mentioned earlier, Ronald. You uh, keep played it very well. It was a very diverse meta. Uh, I played against a lot of um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Doom Foretold, uh, Dancing Dancing the Mass that Man Sex. Uh, as uh, as Jund food, as Jund cat food. Uh, this matchup I kind of felt like was good, but I lost a lot of it. Uh, I think so. I, I think uh, as I mentioned earlier, I felt like I, I just wasn't mulligan enough, or I wasn't mulligan aggressively enough. Um, that maybe I could have just you know gone straight down to five, try to try find that combo and played out. And um, so I it was a disappointing tournament for me, but uh, a very good one for Dave Murphy. Shout out the way to the pro tour, the champ. There's tour, whatever it's called now, the PT. Yeah, <laughs> legend. All right, well done, Dave. And yeah, that's going to do it for the podcast. I will just remind you again about our Inked Gaming affiliate uh, membership. And you can head over to Inked Gaming and you can follow our referral link, which is in the show notes. And if you're interested in getting yourself custom playmat, getting yourself sleeves, dice bags, stuff like that, all, all your all your gaming accessory needs, of course, you got to get the little the little Kieran stamp of approval in there in the corner, uh, oh, yeah. just as his little little bearded face right there in the bottom. Uh, if you want that, you know, just you gotta you gotta type in the the coupon code Skullcrack. You also get ten percent off your order with that. Or November 29th through December second, you will get thirty percent off for their Black Friday sale. And uh, yeah, we'd very much appreciate it if you go through our referral link for that, so they know who sent you. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Uh, you can get in contact with us at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at skullcrack. You can tune into the Twitch stream. That's twitch.tv forward slash skullcrack. That's Kieran's domain. I'm on the boards. Man on the boards over there on Twitch TV. Yes. And that is going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Goodbye. For this week's extra turns, I have delved through the um the the oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? What have delved through the the ancient records of this is Irish magic uh, to find uh, a story that has been infamous uh, since the time it happened. Uh, this story.
like I should have a better intro than this, but I do not. Uh, David Wolf, are you familiar with um, this this tournament report from uh, round nine of GP Copenhagen in 2015 mm. by Kevin Fogarty? No, I don't. recall. This is something that uh, this is absolutely excellent. This is something that someone mentioned it over the weekend uh, when we were in Avon for this PTQ. Someone mentioned this story. Uh, it took us a while to find it, and uh, I think it's a good time to record it now. You know, so now it can be recorded in the annals of Irish history of Irish magic history uh, in order to be um, to be remembered as, as, as a wonderful moment. Uh, so this was, um, this is Kevin Fogarty uh, playing modern in a GP Copenhagen in 2015. So this is a post he made back then. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll just say, uh, we were a little bit, so he's, he's, saying, so he's in round nine in this GP. Uh, he's already lost his winning in. So this is like his last, basically everyone's just playing out the last round just, you know, for what after like, was to have you know, one, one game one you know, for those extra plays walker points. Uh, before before you go home after after uh, missing your winning in, so um, you know, Kevin sits down. He's playing. He's a very competent. He's a very good player. He's a very good uh, mono red player in modern. Uh, like so, mono red is one of those decks that you know when it's in the hands of a good player, it can be very very powerful. You can punish anybody for making mistakes. Punish anybody for playing decks that aren't perfectly tuned. Uh, so he sits down. Uh, he sits down. He sits down by. He's faced. Sits down opposite to this kid. This kid comes up, pulls out a metal battered box, puts it down on the table. And this box is filled with little collectibles, little tokens, and pre-release foldouts uh, and memorabilia. So uh, this kid's cyborg, his face up, facing facing Kevin. So Kevin's like, well, this is probably not a very competitive player if you're doing this. Um, and his deck, and his deck looks quite large, like looks like you know a lot more than sixty cards. Uh, it's wrapped in rubber bands. So David, if you're if you're a, a burn player and you're seeing this, you're probably thinking, rubbing your hands, thinking, all right, this is going to be an easy win, right? You're, you're thinking if someone is playing. What seems to be a casual deck, what seems to be a 60 plus card deck, if uh, someone is going to be somebody on honor or, or playing a deck that doesn't have a perfectly tuned mana base, uh, you're in a perfect position to to to, uh, to punish them. Oh, yeah. If I'm, if I'm not winning this game, I'm going to be very upset with myself. Exactly. So, yeah, Kevin says, as a burn player, I'm already feeling sorry for him. <laughs> Little did he know. All right, so Kevin wins game one, right? So so he's good. But he does say that his opponent had the following, following curve in game one. Turn one, Serum Visions. All right, turn two, Abrupt Decay. So, those two, so these are three different colors of mana. Okay. Turn one, Serum Visions. Turn two, Abrupt Decay. Turn three, Corsair Codex. Uh-huh. Turn four, Siege Rhino. What? <laughs> turn four, Dragonlord Ojitai. Turn five, Dragonlord Ojitai. Sorry, turn five, sorry. Turn four, Siege Rhino. Turn five, Dragonlord Ojitai. Okay, right. Love it. That's quite it's quite the curve, right? Okay. So Kevin's thinking, all right, while I burn him out, Kevin wins. But well, he's still kind of worried. He's thinking, like, a lot of those cards are very good against Burn. You know, of course, Republics and Siege Rhino obviously doing a lot, uh, doing, a lot doing a lot to fight against him. So, game two, uh, his opponent resolves uh, two Kitchen Pinks and a Rhino. And Kevin's just, that's, yeah, obviously, Kitchen Pinks is going to, um, it's like, what, a four for one against Burn, especially if he resolves two of them. So, uh, that's 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 a game he kind of expect to lose. So, now Kevin is back in the play. All right, so now he's like, all right, Kevin knows what he's boys up against. Uh, there's no way, there's no way he can lose. It's like, in those games, obviously, the kid had a, had a strong curve, just got lucky, his mana worked out, especially he's casting all those mana intensive spells I mentioned. Uh, but now I'm sure that Kevin's feeling like he could win. So game three, uh, his opponent plays Birds of Paradise. Kevin being Kevin being a, a well-experienced burn player, he bolts the bird, which is what you're supposed to do. Turn two, his opponent his opponent uh, plays two more birds of paradise. Oh my so Kevin, Kevin can't burn it. So now he's thinking, <laughs> I'm endangered is if you if you can't bolt those birds, uh you know, what can you do? So Kevin plays something that Kevin plays out to the board. Uh, the next turn, his opponent casts a turn, turn three, Thrag Tusk. 
pretty that's a pretty big swing. Yes. Turn four, he flickers it with restoration angle. Oh yes. Turn five, it's obviously something kind of play something on turn two. Uh, turn five, he passes Sea Rhino and terminate. <laughs> Fantastic. So Kevin's thinking, all right, I lost. Uh, Kevin has tremendous of play. He's thinking, all right, I'll just let him pack for lethal in turn six. You know, rather than conceding, you know, let, let the kid have his wing, his have his win. He has uh, his lethal on lethal on board. But then instead of attacking pre combat, uh, the kid plays Angel of Serenity. Angel of Serenity comes in and exiles three permanents. Angel of Serenity comes in, exiles his three mountains in play, and then he attacks for lethal. Then he attacks for lethal. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, to this day, he still believes it was a fever dream. <laughs> But it was not. He got wrecked, Kevin. He got wrecked. <laughs> now you're. Wait, how well? How well did Kev recall this at the weekend? No, so he he, he did. So this was just written. This is a uh, taken from a primary source uh, from Facebook. So it was written on Facebook right after it happened. Uh, so instead of him retelling it, we pulled up this old post he had. Uh, I guess it's obviously it's not, it's not a detailed report to, to remember. Okay. No, but I I was just thinking because you said that. You were talking about it at the weekend, so I thought that Kev was was kind of retelling it, but no, you, you looked up the post in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Because we, all, we, want, we want to be accurate on this show, you know. We want to have solid terminate reports, Ter- terminants, terminate, but you got terminated. Tournament reports. Uh, <laughs> that, that is what we have. That is a, a sick curve. A lot of a lot of mana intensive spells. Beautiful. You love to see it. You do. Right. GG's opponent. That's it for the podcast. Goodbye. Get wrecked. <laughs>